Welcome to episode number 21 of the Fear Being Average podcast with your host, Brandon Rinka. On today's episode, we take a look at my latest strength and endurance record first project, a great Canadian record project, which consisted of 10 half Ironmans in 10 days with about 50,000 pounds of lifting directly after each one of those half Ironmans. And I discuss and I share how I built my body to do so successfully. So we take a look at what I did in the winter in terms of how I built my body up, getting it ready for training camp. Then we take a look at my training camp and how I structured each one of my phases to make sure my body was strong, had a high level of work capacity, my body could tolerate a lot of stress, and how I structured my training around that, the muscle building effect, the importance of building up a foundation and building up a core and a stable, strong trunk. And I put it all together for you guys And this isn't only good just for someone taking on a project of this manner, but for your own training and your own needs and how you can really structure what your body needs without skipping phases and going back and building a very durable, healthy, well put together, well structured, foundationally built body. And that's really important for the everyday individual and the athlete alike. So this is going to be a great podcast. I was going to give you a lot of guidelines and tools and insight and what you guys can do for your own training to make it even more effective. Like always, guys, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And if you can, rate the podcast, comment, share the podcast, and keep listening to keep this education going right into your mind bank. All right, guys, enjoy today's episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's episode. And in advance, in case you hear chirping in the background, wind in the background of the podcast, or anything else I can't control, we are out here in Bronte Conservation. It's like 32, 37 degrees out here. Sunny, barely any clouds in the sky. It's a beautiful day. So I had to get outside today in the afternoon, hence the recording outside kind of break one of my rules i typically don't want to you know record outside due to the background noise but it's a beautiful day only so many days left in summer so please forgive me and hopefully you guys can handle a little bit of background noise and hopefully it's not too bad on the podcast um today while we go over this episode so if you do hear, hear anything you know it's coming from nature beautiful nature which is a beautiful thing and maybe it actually gives you some calming effect like you are in nature so maybe it's a real win-win for the for the podcast today where you get that mental side of things of you picturing yourself in nature while listening to a quality podcast episode. So today we're jumping into a cool topic. Um, Obviously, I just finished the Great Canadian Record Challenge um, about two weeks ago now. Feels, um, I don't know if it feels like longer or feels feels like it hasn't been that long, but I'd say it feels feels longer feels like you know i was out there a a while back and realistically i finished on well the mid yeah early august so it's been about 20 days since i finished the project and obviously the road trip home so this episode is is definitely overdue because you know when i take on a project like this it's an ultra endurance project that has so many you know variables attached to it so many unpredictabilities um but i'm building my body and mind to do something you know rather incredible and that's you know humbly speak i'm not saying you know i'm an incredible athlete necessarily i'm just saying like a project like this i'm in awe of ultra endurance athletes and the way they build their body up to do something that very few people in the world can do um whether it's run 100 miles whether it's you know doing an ultra iron man or an ultra man um, enduro man there's a lot of different crazy events out there that people put together um you know swimming across the english channel for example um those kind of things are just it's mind-boggling um to a certain degree but it's more i'm more fascinated to hear about the training and the preparation those athletes took to embark and complete such incredible tasks so for me to be in that category of someone who has, you know, put together these challenges and these experiences where I can then take my experience and educate others, 
on how to build you know a stronger mindset or build a stronger foundation or a stronger um, body you know i'm honored to do the do so and i think it's almost uh, a prerequisite uh, when someone does that is to share that information don't hold it in selfishly but but talk about it and these is this is why i want to you know write guides and write books and do public speaking and, and do a podcast like this is to then share it with other people so maybe they'll take on you know challenges they didn't think they they could complete or maybe this will help them build the foundation build the body and mind necessary to take on any sort of challenge whether big or small and just give them the necessary tools to do it in an appropriate fashion and do it in a um, healthy manner as well. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. And if anyone didn't follow my Great Canadian Record Challenge, basically it consisted of 10 half Ironmans, which is a 1.9 kilometer swim, a 90 kilometer bike ride, and a 21.1 kilometer run, so half marathon run at the end of it. So I did 10 of those in 10 days, so 10 days straight, across 10 different Canadian cities, across six Canadian provinces. And on on top of that, at the end of each half Ironman each day, I also did a bout of uh, 50,000 pounds of lifting, uh, which consisted of the deadlift, the back squat, and the bench press. And I did that at 1.5 times my body weight. So for the project, I weighed in at about 170 pounds, 169, somewhere in that range which equated to doing 255 pounds on my lifts. So I had to do about 196 reps each day at 255 pounds to give me the 50,000 pounds total every single day. This equated to a ton of over 1,000 kilometers, about 1,200 kilometers Uh, of distance I covered over the 10 days and 500,000 pounds of lifting. So a pretty unique challenge for for sure. Obviously, I love to blur the lines of strength and endurance. Um, That's the kind of athlete I want to be. I love strength training. Um, That's the thing I've been doing since I was 15 years old and the thing I've been pursuing and building my body for, for sports like football and wrestling. And, And once those things went away, um, I gravitated to you know, challenge my body in a different realm and some of the toughest challenges uh, I would say in the world are ultra uh, marathons and ultra endurance events and for me that was a, a really attractive challenge so I started building my body uh, towards that but I never wanted to lose the strength I never really wanted to lose you know the muscular look so I had to find a way to train like a true performance athlete, which I find is the perfect combination, the ability to do um, basically any challenge, um, but still look a certain way that doesn't look like your traditional you know, endurance athlete, uh, and also perform at a very high level based on what I believe um, strength training does, and not only what I believe, but the research shows as well. If, if you were to look at all the modalities to decrease risk of injury, whether that's uh, proprioception training, whether that's mobility, um, flexibility, or, or strength training, strength training wins that battle. That is the thing you can do to build muscle, to strengthen the muscles around your joints and ligaments um, to prevent injury the most. So I really equate the ability to handle these challenges rather gracefully and finish the projects, um, most of which I, I come out of feeling like I really haven't beaten my body up. My body held strong. I, you know, there were no injuries. There were no, um, you know, long-term effects where it prevented me from training or working out a week later. Like my body bounced back really quickly, and that was a major aspect to complete the ten days in a row, right? Because every day was a fresh day. Every day was a fresh fifty thousand pounds. Every day was a fresh half Ironman where I had to travel for you know anywhere between six to nine hours each day and, and my sleep was off so my recovery and immune system was being affected yet my body responded favorably each day and yes i had you know things naturally come up in terms of you know pains and discomforts um and some issues but i think you know obviously using my theragun as well that helped uh, alleviate some some scar tissue and some buildup in my body but um 
every day I, I came back, you know, strong, ready to go. And yes, maybe I was working at 60% of my, you know, full potential, but I wasn't broken. And that was the key was not to break and just be good enough where I could show up the next day and complete a half Ironman and complete my bout of 50,000 pounds of lifting. And everything went to plan. The team was awesome and the project was successful. So now I'm going to be sharing uh, the things I did in terms of building up a bulletproof body or, or building a built bulletproof body that allowed me to successfully complete a project of this manner. So initially, let's start out with building a foundation. That is something people rush all too often right they want to get to the sexy stuff they want to do the things they see the best athletes in the world do right they want to do the dynamic movements they want to do the exciting programming they want to either lift weights run fast run long distances there's a whole bunch that you want to do that will that are that's actually a necessity to taking on a challenge like this or you know any challenge that really pushes your body to new extremes however you need to build a foundation first for your body to respond to that level of stress. You know, the heavy lifting, the explosive movements, um, the dynamic movements, the fast movements, the long runs, that needs to be laid on top of a, of a strong foundation. If not, you're gonna injure yourself. You're gonna put yourself on the sidelines. You're gonna beat your body up. You're gonna create an overuse injury. And you see that all the time. People are going too fast too soon, too much too soon, too much stress, too heavy bad foundational um, awareness and they don't elite, uh, sorry they don't um, rectify the issues that are going on internally and externally so building that foundation you have to make sure you're mobilizing the body you are taking your body through a full evaluation of being mobile and strong and what does mobile really look like if you look at flexibility that is elongating the muscle, right? That, that's kind of increasing elasticity uh, within the joints and the muscles. With mobility, that, that goes towards being strong in particular positions. So being mobile and flexible, yet having the strength to back it up. So you're not just limber, but you're strong in a deep squat position. You're strong in a lunge. You have a nice base and center of gravity, and you're balanced, right? You basically have a really good, strong support system. And this, I see it all the time, especially with clients that want to build muscle, but they have these mobility issues. And I tell them, yeah, we can keep going to the gym three days a week and, you know, doing a traditional muscle building kind of program, but we're never rectifying the root cause of the issue. And that's going to hinder your progress. It's going to result in slower development because if your mobility never gets rectified and never gets addressed, that's going to affect the amount of weight you can lift that's gonna affect your range of motion, that's gonna affect your susceptibility to injury, and it's gonna affect your ability to stress the muscle favorably for positive adaptations. So I tell them, well, let's really rectify the mobility issue, you know, month one, month two, month three, whatever, however long it takes, and we'll still strength train in between, don't get me wrong, but we gotta put a, you know, discern deliberate effort in rectifying the mobility and building a strong base for you so you can get into the position comfortably without uh, limitations, and this will only enhance and develop and speed up the process of building muscle, getting stronger, burning fat, and, and looking and performing better. So it's one of those things that I really put um, attention on. Now, I don't have a ton of mobility issues. Um, you know, I have rather decent ankle mobility. You know, I squat all the time, and I lunge all the time, so... Again, I'm always moving my body. I'm I'm in a good position that way. Uh, my hip mobility, pretty damn good. Obviously, there's tons of opportunity, but I'm just saying from a you know pass or fail standpoint, I pass those tests. Um, you know, I have basically good mobility through my shoulder joint. Um, I'm not. I don't really have any limitations, but I would still address and put time into mobility. Right? I would do things that would not allow me to go backwards, right? So even though I didn't need to do a whole bunch of mobility, I still did mobility, right? I would still throw it in there. I would do my 90-90s, um, which is a type of stretch for the hips. I would do my lizard with rotation, um, which is kind of the world's greatest stretch, they call it, where you have the one leg forward, opposite hand uh, next to the, the foot, and then you kind of basically open up your opposite 
hand to the sky, arm to the sky, and open up your chest. Um, it's a good hip flexor stretch, but also good for the for the shoulder as well. Um, lots of other different kinds of stretches. You know, bring the knee to to wall test for the ankle mobility. Um, I would squat all the time. Basically, through my exercises, through my movements, I would get mobility. Right, I would get strong in certain positions, like a squat, like a lunge, um, like a deadlift like a bench press, overhead press. I'm doing all those movements that are strengthening good mobility. Um, so I had a pretty good you know, starting point. But now that was built on years and years and years of exercise and making sure my body wasn't put in that position, right? So I built that foundation. And how do we do that? Well, we address the entire body. We're not one-dimensional. Uh, we're not that person who just trains the anterior, which is our quads and chest and shoulders. Um, and abs. No, I'm, I'm putting a lot of time on pulling the body back in favorable anatomical position. So, you know, I'm working the posterior chain, the glutes, the hamstrings, the back, the erector spinae, the traps, um, the hamstrings, of course, So, and the hips. All those things are constantly being addressed. So I created good balance throughout the body. Um, and going into that, that's, that's training the adductors and building a lot of health there, right? If we're squatting and we're deadlifting, there are a lot of moving pieces, right? It's not just the quads and the, the glutes and the hamstrings doing the work. That's a large majority of it. But you need to have strong stability and mobility through the ankle, like I mentioned. Um, also around the knee joint, which attaches into the adductor. Think about the inner thigh, right? Having a strong having um, you know strong adductors is really important, right? So making sure we're addressing that and having strong abductor, which is the outside of the hip. So think the glute med, so like the side butt. Um, making sure that is really strong as well, right? So I'm building that foundation around the trunk, uh, around the torso, and with that, giving myself a really good um, sense and foundation of movement, right? Anything I really do, I'm strong in different ranges. I'm strong in different movements and different um, planes of motion. Really important. And obviously building the foundation, you can't talk about building a foundation without the core. The core is the foundation. That is your base right this is the thing that everyone should always strive to do initially build a core develop a strong stable sturdy durable core what does the core consist of what doesn't it consist of right it literally works its way all the way up basically from you know the, the hamstrings and the adductors all the way up to the traps and the shoulders right it really does we're talking about the low back the mid back the erector spinae the glutes the hamstrings the abs, the adductors, the abductors, everything within that and surrounding that, you know, we have obviously the abdomen and uh, what do you call the things on the side, the obliques, right? All the things, right? That people want to work and they want to build abs and they want to, you know, have their abs and stomach pop and be super toned. Yes, that's great too. But think about building strength with the core and through the core, not having your hip flexors just always take over, really making sure, you know, the abs are doing the work, really building, you know, strong structure from there and doing all the things necessary to take care of that foundation, right? The core is just so important. This gives you just such an advantage in any movement you do, whether it's dynamic, whether it's strength related, uh, whether it's endurance related, it builds a work capacity to do anything you really want while keeping you relatively healthy, right? There's always opportunities to get injured and to push the body too far, uh, but the same token, really addressing core work and putting a lot of time in firing up your core and building the muscles up around the core that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, constitute as core is so, so important, right? Like a lot of times when people have low back pain, for example, that's, that's part of your core, and they stay away from it. They don't train their back, right? They don't pull, they don't do deadlifts, um, they don't do anything that, that will aggravate their lower back, which, okay, I get you don't want to you know, beat the shit out of your lower back, but you also need to strengthen the muscles around your lower back because what's happening is your lower back's really weak, uh, your hip flexors are, are taking over, and now you're creating this dynamic where you constantly have that repetitive nature of, you know, a muscle you don't want taking over and being dominant, being dominant, and the muscle that's really weak getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And that gap just, you know, gets bigger and bigger because we're not addressing the root cause. So you got to make sure that, yes, we're mobilizing, we are loosening up the hips, we're strengthening um, the hip flexors, 
um, but making sure they're definitely loose and not tight. And then we're strengthening the hips and um, the low back and, and the abs and the core and the hamstrings, all the things that kind of go work its way all the way up that posterior chain, right? So you got to be doing things that are addressing that. Now, some of my favorite movements in terms of low back strengthening, the deadlift. Yes, you need to know how to do this right. So make sure you invest in some sort of resource that gets you doing that movement properly and safely. Whether it's an online coach, whether it's watching YouTube videos, buying a book that really breaks down. I have a, a book by Mark Ripito. Um, I think it's like just the basics of strength training and it breaks the shit down. Um, of like a basic movements, bench press, overhead press, squat, deadlift is pages and pages and pages of just that one movement. And it goes through everything you basically need to know. So that's a great resource right there. But those things are just going to help really build you up. Um, and it's such a overall systemic builder, right? It, it creates a huge response within the nervous system and, and creates a lot of strength there. Uh, but doing it properly. I love doing, you know, hip extensions, uh, glute ham raises, back extensions, um, are some of my favorite things to do to really build up a strong lower back. Not a lot of gyms have it, but reverse hypers. You can mimic this at home on a bench or couch, but basically it's you uh, with your chest down on a piece of equipment, and then you kind of swing your legs up towards your lower back. So your legs go underneath your hips. Think of it like a pendulum, and then your legs kick back up where your basically body is elongated horizontally, and that's a really good movement for the glutes and the low back. And the West Side Barbell, which is known to produce some of the world's strongest men and athletes, that was a big component of, of their athletes lifting the weights that they were lifting. They would have these dynamic effort days where they, they would fo focus on explosivity and building the muscles around the deadlift and the squat, like the lower back and the hips and the glutes. And the reverse hyper was a, a staple at that gym, right? So that foundation you really need to make sure is your number one thing you do. Um, that might take you three months, might take you six months, might take you a year, um, but you got to do it, right? Or you leave yourself really vulnerable to injuries and setbacks and, um, you know, just beating the body up, which is never uh, a, a good decision. And you want to make sure you prevent that as much as possible. Next, unilateral work is something I really put a lot of effort into early on, right? Obviously, I need to get more specific with my movements as my training goes on because I'm going to be doing a bilateral deadlift, a bilateral squat, and a bilateral bench press, meaning I'm using both arms or legs at the same time, right? So, let's see, we got some guy in the background screaming, wild man. Um, but what you want to do here, early on to your training, is rectify any imbalances or asymmetries. And that's something that people don't do. They jump right into, they hear the deadlift, the squat, and the bench press, and the military press, and bent row are the best exercises. I just did a podcast on this, the best bang for your buck exercises. However, if you don't have a strong foundation, and you have one side that is extremely dominant, don't do those best bang for your buck exercises initially. Do variations of them unilaterally. So meaning we're working one limb at a time. So we're rowing with one arm. <clears throat> we're doing alternating bench press, right arm, left arm. We are doing single leg deadlifts. We're doing single leg squats. We're doing split squats. Um, we're doing everything, overhead press. You know, we're doing single arm, alternating. We are doing one limb at a time. That way we rectify and we alleviate any of those imbalances and weaknesses because we have an imbalance and one side is very dominant the other side is very prone to weakness and prone to injury and the dominant side is always going to kick in it's always going to take over because our body is going to be you know thought or it's going to move towards performing the lift as effectively as possible so it's going to rely on whatever strength it has and if one side is super dominant and one side is really weak well, again, the dominant side is going to take over. It's going to shut down the weak side, and it's going to do whatever it takes to get that lift performed safely and effectively, um, even if it's at the cost of the other side of the body. So if that's you, if you have knees caving in, if you have your heel popping up on squats, if you have limited range of motion with one shoulder than the other, um, if you just notice you know, one side is way stronger um, you, you know, you feel like one side takes over, you do a squat and you see you one hip way higher than the other. 
Those are things that are, are red flags. You need to make sure that you give yourself the necessary time to really do unilateral work. And that can mean a whole block of training, a whole block of one month to six months of really doing a lot of one-sided movements. And again, you won't lift as much, so you got to put the ego away. It's going to be harder because you're so used to doing you know, both sides at the same time. You're so used to that dominant side keeping your body in a strong position and keeping you stable. And when you do unilateral, unilateral work, you're very unstable. So you have to make sure that when you do it, you put your ego aside. You understand it's going to be a work in progress. You're starting fresh again to a certain degree and that your weak side has a lot of time to catch up. Now, how do you work that out when one side is stronger than the other? Start with your weak side for sure. So if I'm doing single leg deadlifts, for example, my left leg is the weak side. I'm going to start doing a single leg deadlift with my left leg as the base leg. And then I'll go to my right leg. And whatever I perform on my left leg with the weight, the reps and the sets, I'm going to match with my right leg. So even though I might be stronger in my right leg, I don't want to, you know, keep that gap of imbalance going, right? I don't want to just do, you know, 40 pounds with my let's say left leg with the dumbbell in my hand and doing three sets of eight reps and then I go to 60 pounds with my right leg forward and I do three sets of 12 reps right I don't want to you know enlarge that gap I want to shorten it so we have to make sure whatever our weak side does we match it with our strong side so this will again be putting a little bit on the back burner initially until they catch up then I would still do a little bit more unilateral work uh, with heavier loads and strengthen the muscle and then get into your bilateral work. And you'll be so surprised and extremely satisfied with the growth you see when you get really strong side to side that when you go back to doing bilateral work, you're going to feel incredibly stable. You're going to feel very strong. You're going to notice m- much better muscular development per side. So you're going to be a lot more even. Um, and then you're going to pull or push or squat with much greater ease and confidence because at this point both sides are working together in harmony to help you perform that lift so early on you really want to make sure in your training program uh, because everyone's got mobility issues everyone has imbalances and asymmetries going on and everyone's got some weaknesses that you really make sure both sides are given the time and attention it deserves you're slowing the movement down you're feeling and connecting to the muscle when you're doing this movement Uh, and these exercises you're not just rushing through it you're actively really trying to feel the muscle on that side that you're working and make sure the other side is quiet and doesn't take over and the connection is at a all-time importance okay guys then after we get that unilateral strength at least from what my point of view was i want you to develop a baseline of genuine strength get strong again so many people initially they want to build muscle for example or they want to burn fat so they jump right into the workouts that are naturally, you know, programmed around those two. So with muscle building, they take a bodybuilding approach, um, which is, you know, let's just say typical three to four sets of eight to 12 reps, right? Slow controlled tempo, sub-max weight, that kind of stuff, right? Stress the muscle up with time under tension. Or if you want to go fat burning, a lot of people just jump into hit classes and they just go, 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 go. And again, they have no actual baseline of strength. They've either skipped the foundational stage, and chances are if they skip the foundational stage, um, they skip the genuine strength phase as well. Um, And for me, it was always about for me to build strength. I wanted to be strong. I wanted stability. Um, You know, granted, in my sport of football, we were always testing for strength uh, with the bench press, and we had to be very explosive, and explosivity uh, requires a high deal of, you know, relative and absolute strength however i was very attracted to that and i kept seeing the benefits of my body staying very strong and very stable and very durable and this is something that a lot of people skip and i think is a big mistake early on you want to make sure you put a lot of attention into building the strength necessary to put your body under loads confidently with a you know confidence that you can handle weight without panic and without instability. And that's what strength really gives you. Um, you know, can you support yourself under decent loads? Ask yourself that question. Or do you get you know, scared? Do, you, is your, do your abs give out? Do your legs immediately give out when you get under a heavier load, right? Because um, again, from a mental standpoint, so important. And, and strength is 
genuine armor for your body, right? When we're talking about building a bulletproof body, strength is your baby, right? This is going to give, you know, the support for your joints and ligaments and your tissue. You're going to have a strong piece of armor surrounding all of those things. And when you work on strength and you're used to, you know, being under a heavy load or pressing and pushing or lifting a heavy load, you have this huge, you know, systemic central nervous system activation occur and the whole body benefits from it right not only from a physiological standpoint from us but from a psychological standpoint as well so anytime i start working with somebody uh, whether they're getting ready for a project like this which again i don't work with too many people um, i.e any people that uh, get ready for a project like this but even if they're getting ready for you know a sport an activity um, an event or just trying to build their body I always highlight the importance of building strength and when you build a good strong baseline of strength it also supports and complements building a good genuine base of muscle right like they, they, they work in unison with each other and, and both phases are necessary but definitely for a project like this you know my strength I truly believe gave me the ability to do what I did um, and without breaking down, right? I had a phenomenal foundation and support, you know, system structured and it protected me. And, and I really think that was a massive benefit, especially with the 1.5 times my body weight aspect. And I know this is, you know, relatively unique, but having such a high degree of relative strength, meaning that I'm quite strong for my body weight. So the amount of weight I can lift is really good for a 170 pound person that allowed me to you know do the same repetitions and the same sets and the same weight for 10 days straight with three really big movements that usually beat the shit out of the body because i had a high degree of relative strength for my body weight so 1.5 times my body weight for a lot of people uh, they can't do 1.5 times their body weight in the squat deadlift or bench press um but for me that was around 60 percent of my one rep max or 55 percent of my one rep max so you know in general speak it wasn't that heavy but from um or for specific reasons but for general population that's a lot of weight so that you know baseline of genuine strength really gave my body uh, what it needed for this specific project um, but for any project or any challenge or race someone decides to do or any discipline they they engage in you know getting that baseline of strength underneath them is of utmost importance and something that you do not want to take for granted so when we talk about building strength you're talking about you know lower rep ranges um, anywhere from one rep to four reps i would say you know once we're in that five reps now we're going into more strength plus muscle building so i like to be anywhere between one and four um, the sets are usually longer you're usually doing less total exercises you're probably picking two to three um, really good big compound movements like the big five and, and then from there we are doing more sets we're getting more opportunity to warm up the muscle obviously we're getting a heavier load so we need more warm-up sets and primer sets and that would be your attention is perfecting the movement and getting really strong in those big muscle building strength building movements that are going to push the needle forward a lot faster for you um, but again this should occur after we build up we've built up you know a strong balance from side to side and we built up a strong foundation from a core standpoint and a mobility standpoint and, and really making sure that um, the weight we use is supported with the foundation and the the balance of both sides of the body now from there I would go into building muscle. Now, in this particular project I did, I didn't try to build more muscle uh, late. Uh, maybe I did, if I think back to it, maybe I did a phase uh, of trying to build some more muscle tissue. Uh, no, no, sorry, I'll, I'll correct that. Before I really got into my, you know, 20 or 16 week plan and program specifically for this project, in the winter, I did try to put on muscle. Um, I got my weight up to probably 180, and like I said, from the project, I was 170, and, I, and right now I walk around 175, 176, so I put on some muscle. I was eating 4,500 calories or 4,200 calories um, at, you know, 100, and like I said, 75, 180 pounds, so I was eating a lot of food, 
and I was training for you know strength and hypertrophy. I, I never really go away from strength. If anything, like I st I'll stick to the fives um, for at least uh, an exercise, and then I'll support that with more of a muscle building program. So I definitely wanted to build more muscle this season because I knew I was taking on this project. I knew my relative and absolute strength couldn't afford to go down. Uh, I had to keep my squat high, you know, in the in the mid threes. I had to keep my deadlifts close to 400, if not 400 plus. And I had to keep my bench press in the, you know, low to mid mid threes as well. And that's exactly what I did. So I built my body up with a with a good baseline of muscle. Um, which again, research shows, protects the joints, protects the ligaments, um, it's armor to decrease the risk of injury. And, you know, it was really complementary to my strength. So when I did get into endurance, and even though I was still lifting, I didn't lose a lot of muscle mass. And if I did lose a little bit, so what? I put on muscle and a little bit of fat, obviously, when I was eating all those calories um, within, whatever, December to maybe March, somewhere in that range. And at that point, my body was just a little bit bigger, not as fast, but I knew I was getting into a point of a ton of endurance where, with running, biking, and swimming. Um, so I knew I had a lot of opportunity to you know, you know, eliminate some of that fat and get rid of a little bit of muscle, um, hopefully not much, but give myself um, the protection and uh, the structure I needed to handle the weight I was going to use, right? I, I didn't want to get down to a hundred and like I've have in, in past endurance events. I've my weight went down from one seventy to one sixty two, and at one sixty two, that makes lifting two fifty five a lot harder. Um, you know, for big time, me being able to keep my weight at one seventy um, after that muscle building, you know, phase, and after that you know genuine strength phase, and after all my training and my you know sixteen to twenty week plan leading up to the Great Canadian Record Challenge. Um, I had a really good idea of you know where my body was, and, and that added muscle and, and and added strength gave my body what it needed, and so that was a big big part of making sure I was able to lift the amount of weight I I had to lift. Obviously, if I was doing in an you know pure endurance event, I wouldn't be so caught up in building more muscle. Um, like I said, this is a passion of mine. I love. You know, training in the gym and putting on some more muscle and <clears throat> building more strength. Um, but for this particular event, it was it was a necessity, I would say. You know, to and I was I was concerned that if I didn't put on a little bit more muscle and a little bit more strength, that I would have a harder time with those those lifts at that weight. All right, we weren't talking about a weight that was being lifted at my body weight. We're talking about one point five times. So I really had to make sure that uh, my body was prepared for that. In terms of building muscle. I focused a lot of my time as I got closer to the project, probably the last, like I said, like once I actually got into my block of training um, or macro cycle, however you wanna you know, constitute it, the 16 to 20 weeks leading up to my project, so the four or five months out, <clears throat> let's say four months, uh, I really put a lot of time on my posterior chain. So that's my trunk, that's my hips, my, my glutes, my hamstrings, my, my lower back, like those are the things I really put a lot of attention on. I never isolated my quads. I didn't do movements to build my quads. I did isolation movements to build my hamstrings and, and to complement the compound movements I was doing to build my hamstrings. I did isolation movements to a certain degree with hip extensions and um, back extensions to strengthen my lower back. I did reverse hypers. So all these things that aren't necessarily really isolating a muscle, but they're, they're garnered towards low back and glutes and hips, right? I would do banded abductions. I would do the adductor machine, abductor machine. I would do step-ups. I would do things that would really strengthen the glutes big time. Um, that was a huge priority. I would do split stance with a forward lean. Anytime I'm trying to put more emphasis on the glutes and the hamstrings, having a forward lean and a hip hinge basically means push your butt back more. Um, you see when people are very erect and tall and they have a narrow stance on their squats and their lunges, they're putting more emphasis on the anterior, so the quads and the front of the body. So to build up the posterior, I was always doing things with that hip hinge and really making sure the things that were really going to protect me and give me a ton of power and give me a ton of durability were being um, given the attention it deserves. So I'm a huge proponent of train your glutes as a girl absolutely not only is it phenomenal from an aesthetic standpoint when you have nice strong shapely curvy 
uh, well-built glutes, but for males, right? Yes, that's attractive too for females, right? If they look at you and you have a nice solid pair of glutes, you're filling out some jeans, guys. Again, nothing wrong with that, but from a durability standpoint, a lot of people have low back pain like we discussed, and they have susceptibilities um, with back injuries, and it takes them out of commission, um, and it just you know gets them away from their goals where i say you got to put a lot of time into working the hip hinge doing movements that are going to develop and grow the glutes weak underactivated glutes are a direct cause of low back pain right weak underactivated hamstrings are a direct cause of low back pain so you need to put time and attention into developing your hamstrings your hamstring strength your hamstring size and you know ability to explode and your glute strength and your glute development you need to make sure those things are strength and they're turned on a lot of people have a hard time even activating their glutes or really contracting their hamstrings hard and they're susceptible to injuries immediately as soon as they get you know too much stress or tension on the hamstrings or glutes um, which is a you know, bad position to be in because now your lower back's gonna try to take over on movements that really rely on your hips, glutes, and hamstrings, and that's where you know shit to hits the fan. So you got to make sure we're doing movements that build that up. What are some of these movements? Hip thrust, of course. When we see hip flexion go into hip extension, hip flexion is thing with your hips going back. Hip extension, uh, you drive your hips forward, squeezing your glutes to the top, making sure your glutes take that movement. Um, Doing Romanian deadlifts help big time, right? Where you hinge your hips back. Uh, doing things like Bulgarian split squats with a forward lean and long lunge. As you can see, a lot of these things I'm already talking about are unilateral. So you want to talk about a unilateral program, yeah, do some Bulgarian split squats. Do some single leg Romanian deadlifts. Do some B stance hip thrusts, which means one leg is forward, one leg is back. So that way the back leg and glute is being worked uh, directly. So again, a lot of opportunity right there. And then you can do some banded work where you work some cable abduction. You do some you know, rope pull-throughs. You can do some sled work to emphasize the posterior chain without a whole bunch of muscle damage uh, pushing through the heel. And that's going to really load up the posterior chain. So a lot of those movements were what I built my program around. And when I was talking about building muscle and strength that I kind of um, passed over, I put a ton of time. You want to talk about me posting videos and pictures? It was sled and farmer carries. The sled was a big one, right? I did prowler pushes. I took up my sled out maybe three, I want to say three to four days a week. I would take up my little mini sled um, and I would, you know, harness myself to it and I would drag it. I would pull it. I would run with it. I would walk with it. I was just doing a ton of work where I was building up this bulletproof strength around my trunk. I was just doing things where my core had to be engaged, uh, like I said, with carries, um, like overhead carries, farmer carries, um, single arm suitcase carries. I did I did a lot of single arm suitcase carries because, again, that unilateral work, having the opposite side have to work a little harder. And I would just do the ton of the sled. I would do you know sessions where I'd go out for 30 minutes and just pull the sled and drag the sled in different movements for for 30 minutes non-stop right I, there was no rest it was just switch a position and walk switch a position do this or i would put together circuits and and different kind of rounds for time but i put so much attention on this movement for one it was relatively low low stress it allowed me to do this uh in between tr you know weightlifting sessions in terms of days so if i were to train on a wednesday then you know thursday i could do you know, sleds and have, you know, no negative consequence from it. It was only building my body stronger. It was increasing my work capacity. So that was a huge part of what I was doing. Um, and there's not a lot of muscle damage because it's mostly concentric and or isometric, meaning that my, my body's not uh, going through that lowering phase. It's going forward and back, uh, but it's not going up and down. It's not really, you know, there's no axial loading, so there's no stress on my spine. It's all me pulling, dragging, you know, pushing and caring right and all those things um like i said require the whole body to be engaged to a certain degree and, and keeps my body really healthy and i think that was a huge um huge factor and i would do things um you know like that i worked the hill and i would i would you know go on an incline and, and build my body and strength up that way and that really helped target the posterior chain as well the glutes and the hamstrings and the hips so there's a ton of time i put into doing that 
Um, you know, personally, I enjoy doing that because I love working my posterior chain. I love having a, you know, a strong, big set of legs and, and nice, de well-developed hamstrings. I like having strong, um, you know, well-built glutes and strong, durable hips because I'm, I'm running a lot, I'm biking a lot, so I'm doing a lot of movements that are shortening uh, my hip flexors. So I like the idea of strengthening my hips and being more powerful when I need to be and, and more durable, right? Keep me safe and healthy and able to bounce back from a long run uh, within a few hours and you know do it all over again the next day, relatively healthy. So huge, huge um, aspect that I did not want to skip over because I would have I would have been kicking myself in the butt for that one uh, because sleds uh, were a huge proponent of building strength and contributing to putting on some some muscle as well that, that's one of those movements that um, is underrated in terms of how much strength and muscle you can build because it doesn't it's not like a traditional bodybuilding movement you wouldn't see it in a bodybuilding program um, but you would see it in a strength building program for sure um, but it just helps build up your work capacity burn body fat uh, but get your body just just way more prepared right it, it's an exercise that builds a much fitter individual so it's perfect for someone in their mid-30s uh all the way up to their 60s right or 70s right like it's so it's safe um but it just builds such a strong foundation and, and keeps the body healthy and it's like it's great for people with with knee injuries and coming back from mcl and acl tears like pull a sled drag a sled that's one of the first things they talk about it's a great way to strengthen the muscles around the knee joint and the ligament and the joint um and also, you know, obviously target the posterior chain, which is going to help go all the way down to the knee, right? If you have a stronger glute and or stronger glutes and hamstrings, that's going to take less stress um, or put less stress onto the muscles around the knee joint, which is favorable for someone coming off knee surgery. So, so many benefits there. Now, stress, um, that was a big, big aspect of my training, right? I wanted to keep stress low. Um, a lot of people, they go, go, go because they hear more is better. I need to put more work in. I need to do more. Yeah, I get that. I had to do more too. I had to work my body up to handle eight hours to nine hours of exercise per day. Um, and like I said, you know what that consisted of. So I had to do a lot of work to get my body ready for that. So I couldn't afford just to do one workout per day. However, I built my program and structured my workout program around stress, right? I never wanted to just go back-to-back -back high stress sessions my endurance training this is the approach i took i went low aerobic zone so i did not push my body to a heart high heart rate i wasn't training for speed i was training for durability and efficiency at a lower heart rate could my body run a you know around a two-hour half marathon at a 130 heart rate yes okay great let's do that the low heart rate, because once I got past 150, I now entered the anaerobic zone of endurance training, which is more high stress. So the math you use for that is the Maffetone method, and from what I read uh, leading up to this project, and that's 180 minus your age, right? So I'm 180 minus 31 is 149. So anything above that, you go past your aerobic zone and more into that anaerobic zone of training, which is, like I said, where you would see interval training, you would see um, you know, training that is built around more speed and, and a higher heart rate, um, but it also it, it beats the body up more, right? Like I said, it creates this environment of high stress, and I was already getting the stress from the weightlifting, so I couldn't afford to put my training that way either, and it worked perfectly for my competition. So I was just very mindful to reduce stress in my training. Um, if I felt stressed, I would reduce the training volume or load or intensity but my ultimate goal was how could I do work tomorrow, one or two sessions, um, effectively without feeling burned out, right? So I was just very mindful. I'd have a you know, max effort day in my lifting per week where I'd go into doubles and triples, right? So I'd lift very heavy. You know, I would squat in the, a, a close to about three, 350. I would deadlift close to 400. And I'd bench press in the 300s, right? That was once, once a week because it was very high stress. Um, basically max effort day but then I would complement that the rest of the week with you know a speed day where I'd use about 30 to 50 percent of my one rep max and just go for velocity and power and then I would do you know a circuit kind of training day where I would use sub max loads 
Um, so I was very mindful how to put that together. Now that comes with a lot of research, a lot of time. Uh, there's a lot of intricacies that go into that. So, you know, I can't break it all down right now, but that was the approach I took for this project. And I was talking to my buddy Ben today and he asked me, how, how's my body holding up since the project? And I was like, you know what, man, relatively good. I was basically, you know, good to go the, the day after my body didn't have any long-term injuries or effects or, or limitations coming back into training. I was, you know, I was good to go. And he, he said, yeah, man, it looks like your train your training program went to plan and i go exactly right whatever i did for this project um leading up it worked right because i completed the project my body stayed healthy like that is the win-win um could i've gone faster and worked that way sure but that wasn't my goal i didn't care to do that i wasn't competing against anybody i was competing to get this project done so knowing that this plan worked for me you know i go okay great and and i and i could feel it you can feel when your body's stressed you can feel when your body is drained and exhausted and i was just very aware of it hence why i added a lot of sled work and this allowed me to get more workouts in but again keep stress low right if i didn't have sleds or farmer carries for example that low stress strength and muscle building and work capacity uh, muscular endurance work I would have had a you know a much more difficult time putting together the amount of work I put in, and I lifted and worked out every day for about ten weeks leading up. Every day, no joke, ten weeks every single day. I would do either a, a workout or I would do two workouts or I do three workouts leading up. The last three or four weeks, I'd have my Wednesday, which consisted of a long bike ride, uh, about anywhere from sixty to ninety k. I would do my run anyway from eight to 13 miles and I would do my lift and that was my Wednesday. And, and then I'd have days where I would do the sled and I would do a lift or I would do the lift in the morning and then a run in the afternoon. Like I was running, swimming, biking, lifting and sled work every single day and multiple times a day. So I was able to manage that. But again, the biggest thing was, okay, don't let stress get too elevated, right? Don't have chronic stress, you know, take care of your body, be smart doing too little is better than doing too much that's something i've found for sure in the past i've you know you know gone too too much in my training and then i would go into races with knee pain i go into races with my you know ankle feeling all messed up or the, my my achilles being tender and i was like i i, I want to go in healthy i want to go in feeling strong ready and excited like i don't want to go in feeling exhausted i know i had 10 days of work to do so my whole thing was do enough where my body felt really good and confident and i put together those midday wednesdays where i would basically mimic a single day and i would do it you know i'd lead up to you know, doing an actual full day before i left and then doing um a mix of three days in a row but i would do like 60 percent of one day you know 90 percent of the next day and then i would do a 70 percent day so i'd mimic it and my body felt pretty good so i knew i was on the right path um but again, I was always mindful of, hey, if my body doesn't feel all that, you know, great for this, you know, I might reduce this a little bit or, or, I'll, or I'm going to slow down my run or I'm going to slow down my bike ride or I'm going to take a different approach in the weight room. So there's always ways that I can manipulate. Even if my body felt tired, felt a little burned out, that doesn't mean the session needs to be called off. It just needs to be adjusted. It just needs to be manipulated so stress isn't high. And there's a way of doing that. Obviously, like I said, there's a lot of different ways of going about that. And like I said, it's basically reducing intensity, reducing the weight, reducing the speed, uh, and monitoring your heart rate and making sure you're not pushing your body close to failure. Okay? I also got into dynamic movements. And when you're talking about building a bulletproof body, you want to make sure your body can sprint, move, jump, run, move laterally, move in different ranges of motion, twist, uh, crawl, like... All those things, like you got to be able, as, as a human being, we're evolutionary, evolutionarily programmed to do all those things um, for survival. So to be 30 and 40 and 50 um, and be like completely susceptible if we move in a dynamic fashion to injure ourselves um, and be sidelined, well, that's not how the human body should function. And we're talking about building a bulletproof body. That means doing basically anything, you know, that a human can do. Um, without putting our body at harm or at risk of pain or injury um, or vulnerability. So moving my body dynamically, uh, you know, quickly and fast and in different positions was, was a big part of my training. Moving it laterally, um, hill sprints. Um, obviously, I was doing coaching at the time too. So I was, you know, doing two trail days a week and I'd have uh, my clients do some hill, hill running, um, whether for, you know, 
longer distances of 30 seconds and 60 seconds or short bursts of just short sprints those things are so valuable they're they're invaluable right because they really are one of those exercises that don't take a long time but they have a huge effect right it's you can put in a little work and get a lot out of it but it's hard it's it, it is stressful on the system but you know if you monitor you know how much you do and do how much you are doing sorry in the total volume you can you know put together a smart training program and that's why i love hill sprints uh, compared to like just a straight sprint on a track straight sprint on the track yeah that's that's pretty risky right because you can go top speed and maybe if you haven't ran in a while yeah you're gonna put those hamstrings to work and that's a potential recipe for disaster where the hill it's softer terrain the incline is going to slow you down so your 100 percent is really you know a 70 percent um so it's a good kind of compromise of how to move dynamically and, and do some fun things like that to get your body prepared for you know explosivity and, and different dynamic kind of movements uh, and then you can add in jumps you can add in crawls i like doing you know kettlebell swings where you're going through a whole hip hinge and and really kind of building up that posterior chain um yeah so those are the main things that i would say in terms of that dynamic fashion just getting your body to move in different directions comfortably um and with confidence and then uh finally guys resting and eating right in terms of building a bulletproof body I had to eat like I was a performance athlete, right? Uh, you know, I am a performance athlete, so I had to eat like that. So that looks like giving my body the nutrients it needs, the sugars, the healthy sugars it needs, the carbohydrates it needs, the calories it needs, the protein it needs, the healthy fats it needs, um, the water, the, um, the powders it needs, the electrolytes it needs. So I had to constantly fuel my body to perform. It wasn't about being the most shredded person ever, and you would see videos and pictures of me and i'm not walking around the 12 pack necessarily i'm not saying that would have been a bad thing um but for my training and what i was eating you know i was you know i was obviously in good shape but you know i was eating to perform first and foremost that was my main goal and i was doing so as like how can i recover as fast as possible how can i get my body ready for tomorrow sessions for this evening session and if you're doing something of this nature or you're just getting your body ready for um like i said a race of some sort or a project of some sort um, that requires an athletic discipline, you got to eat for it, right? Learn what is required. Learn what your body needs to recover, to build muscle, to keep strength, to you know reduce injury, uh, and to perform at a high level and do that. And, and all those things are extremely important that I mentioned, like the carbohydrates in terms of performance, incredibly important, the healthy fats, the, the protein for not only muscle building and strength building, but for muscle recovery, um, the hydration, the electrolytes to, to make sure that you're not just sweating all that stuff out. Um, you know, people have demonized salt. You know, if you're a performance athlete, you're someone getting ready for a competition trying to build, salt is, is your friend, right? It keeps you hydrated. It keeps your muscles, you know, from cramping up and it just increases performance. So really, really important there. And then um, resting the body, you know, getting enough sleep, doing the things it needs to rest you know, your your body grows in the gym or sorry your body breaks down in the gym it grows outside of the gym so everything you do in the gym it needs to be complemented with proper rest and recovery and rejuvenation it just has to right you can't just keep giving your body more and more and more and messing up your your hormones and being in a constant you know breakdown state where your muscles are just trying to recover you know and 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 not you know, not break down, right? Your body needs to be in a state of growth eventually. And how do you get it into a state of growth? You go towards all those anabolic hormones like growth hormone and testosterone and melatonin, and that requires proper rest. If you want to talk about something that alleviates so much from improving our mood to improving our energy to, you know, helping with depression and anxiety and muscle building and proper, you know, strong, well-balanced hormones, sleep, resting the body, giving your body the necessary rest and recovery it needs to come back feeling stronger, not coming back feeling more drained, more exhausted, um, more beat up, right? That is something that if you do feel like that, especially multiple days in a row, take a day off. Like really give your body time. Like doing more is not helping you. It is it is taking steps backwards. So be mindful of that. Um, you know, don't listen to the, no days off, grind, 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 you know, sleep is for, for the dead. No, 
like give your body what it needs it will thank you you'll go into your workouts with some high energy high motivation and and you'll want to crush those things and you'll want to show up daily because you have the necessary requirements to be successful and, and your body will the body will tell you and, and your immune system will feel strong and you'll be ready for it so guys i hope that helped you you know i know there's a lot of stuff within a 60 minute podcast and it's basically a cold notes of what i did and how i built a bulletproof body uh, a lot goes into it um like i said i could write a book on this stuff um but here we have a 60 minute podcast at least give you you know the main pointers of how you can build that bulletproof body yourself um like i said even from a daily everyday standpoint this is really effective structure uh, at least from building that foundation and, and giving your body an opportunity to increase its mobility and building up a you know strong core and alleviating those pains and, and rectifying those imbalances and weaknesses and building up some genuine strength and muscle which has so much um, potential uh, and has so many benefits attached to it uh, where I really want that narrative to, to keep growing uh, in terms of not just exercising but training you know training the body to be successful and then making sure we're mindful of stress and that we're you know doing things in different planes of motion and building up a dynamic you know, body that can handle um, some fast stop and go and then resting the body and eating appropriately for your goals. So guys, as always, you can find me at brandrinka365.com. On Instagram, you can find me at brandrinka365. If you have any questions, hit me up and you know, message me. Let me know what's going on and keep listening to the podcast. As always, be sure to share, to rate, to subscribe if you haven't already. That way, New podcasts are directly sent to you so you can listen to them and get motivated and crush the day. All right, guys, have an awesome one. We'll see you in the next episode of the Fear Being Average podcast.